Hey, it's Virgie, and you're tuning in to Love, Wine, and a Good Time, a lifestyle podcast about love, relationships, dating, confidence, motivation, and more. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Love, Wine, and a Good Time. It is Thursday, so you know it's time for some motivation, for some positive talk, positive thinking, some self-love, some self-care. You know how we do here at the Love, Wine, and a Good Time podcast. So last week there wasn't a new episode, but I do hope everybody enjoyed Veterans Day and... And I also hope you enjoyed the episode the week before that when I had uh, my sister Mitzi talk about her career journey in education. But now it is time to get into this week's episode. And I know it has been a minute since I've had a women empowerment segment and I am so excited for today's guest. I don't even know where to start with this introduction. Um, This woman was one of my first mentors I met during my second year at Cal State Long Beach. It was one of the first journalism classes that I ever took, and I have learned so much from her. She has taught me to be open-minded and well-rounded, to not be scared to put myself out there, and to gain as much experience as possible. She is always a ray of sunshine, always positive, and it is my honor to welcome Carla Yarbrough to Love Wine and a Good Time. Hey, it's so wonderful to be with you, Fergie. I can't believe this. This is like, this is like finding, um, going to, going to a coffee shop and you look to your right and there's this friend and you're like, wait a minute, we haven't talked in a long time. And that's what I feel like. It's like we're sitting at this coffee shop and I'm like, what has been happening? What's been going on? What's going on in your life? And to know that um, you are thriving and not just surviving is the greatest joy for me to hear um, and to know that you're doing so well. So it's an honor and a pleasure to sit and have this conversation with you. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my God, of course. And it's funny because I remember talking to you about thinking about making a podcast and you were like, whatever you do, you'll do great. And I was like, I don't know what to do, Carla. I don't know where to start. (laughs) (laughs) I remember those messages and I, it's, it's just an honor to have this conversation with you, honestly. And it's such a pleasure to be here. It really is. And so for uh, those of the listeners who didn't go to Cal State Long Beach, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we met and I was an assistant professor in the Department of Journalism and you were a sophomore, right? Yes, yes, yes you were I a was. sophomore. Um, and I, I was probably, I think, ending my full-time job there. Uh, at Cal State Long Beach because I'd been there 12 years in the department. Really? And uh, yeah, I've been there. I had been there 12 years. I started in 2003 in the Department of Journalism. Right Mm -hmm. at the end of it, we met. Right at the end. It was meant, it was serendipity. Serendipity, (laughs) darling. And uh, so I was changing my life and, but still, you know, giving 100% to uh, being with you, you guys in the classroom and teaching and sharing whatever knowledge that I had at the time. And so, but prior to coming to Cal State Long Beach, they 
um, I was living in Washington, D.C., and they hired me because they needed a, a professor of broadcast journalism. And when I got the call to, I had no interest in teaching full time, which is most, um, you just never know where life will take you. Right. One of my mentors from graduate school, I had taught maybe two semesters. They had a night course at Quinnipiac University in Hamden, Connecticut. And I taught maybe two, I don't know, maybe two semesters it was. And, and so he remembered that I had an interest in teaching. And he met the chair of the Department of Journalism at a conference. And they said, hey, we need a teacher, uh, a professor, you know, to teach broadcast journalism. He says, I think I know someone. And next thing I know, I'm calling the chair of the department. Three days later, I'm on a flight from Dulles International to Long Beach, flying jet blue. Nice. And that landed in, in Long Beach. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I never thought about Southern California because, you know, I'm so East Coast. And, and um, but that began my career as an educator. It was someone that needed something. I fit what they needed at the time. And I just made the, the best of it. Um, but prior to that, um, coming to Long Beach State, you know, I'd worked in television for years and I'd worked at, um, in college, I actually worked at ABC, NBC, and CBS in Memphis. Nice. And after graduating from the University of Memphis, and I earned my degree in broadcast journalism, my undergrad. And so I said, I just want to get out of Tennessee. I got to get out of Memphis. And so I moved to New Haven, Connecticut. And I started working at the ABC wow. affiliate there and um, coming in as an audio engineer. That's why we have to do whatever we need to do to get our foot in. Oh, I'm sorry, both feet in the door. Yeah. And um, I was hired as an audio engineer um, to do the morning newscast, <laughs> do the morning newscast. But like most of us, when we're out there trying to figure it out, it was a part time job. It wasn't full time, and I was working in retail. Oh my God! Yes, so funny. <laughs> <In retail. laughs> yes, I had to do what I had to do. Yeah, you know, of course, to make, to, to make things happen. I get and, it. And and so I started as an audio engineer, and next thing I know, a year later, I'm the production manager. Like wow. I was managing all the people that ran the cameras, that did the audio engineering. How awesome. Uh, the Chiron, yes, because when I got in there, I said, this is not really what I want to do, but let me get out of here and show, you know, show what I can do. Next thing you know, I'm the production manager. And then from there, I went on to uh, produce documentaries. And from there, I went on to host the documentaries along with the main anchor. Wow. And then I had my own talk show. I talked one of the, um, they had a sister station, was WB at the time, and they needed programming. And so I pitched this idea, Fergie, of doing two-minute stories, like for their commercial breaks. I said, well, why don't I just go out and tell stories about the community, you know, community artists, restaurants, you know, yeah. um, nonprofits. And the general manager said, hey, why not? And from those two-minute episodes, I turned that into a 30-minute um, talk show and it was called what's going on that was the name of my show what? I did it for four years I didn't yeah. know you had your talk show I oh had a talk God. show yeah, for four years 
And I got to travel all around Connecticut and met some extraordinary people and um, was still producing documentaries for uh, WTNH News Channel 8, which is the ABC affiliate. And um, then I decided it was time for me to get my master's degree. So I got a professional a fellowship and uh, went to school at night to earn my master's degree and work full time at the TV station. And so, um, yeah, I've been really fortunate though. You know, it's, we were just talking, you and I were talking about grit. You know, yeah. I think when you have that grit, but you've also got to have a desire and be persistent. <laughs> That's the three combos, right? Persistence. Yes. Grit, desire, and persistence. I like That's that. what's pushed me through every step of my career. And, um, and so, yes. So I was going to, I was going to say that after I, after ABC, I was just so tired when I finished that master's degree. I was exhausted. And actually, I was going through a divorce at the time. Oh, no. And when you have a life change such as that, um, it causes you to pause. And I call of them the, preg the pregnant pauses. I wasn't pregnant, but I had a pregnant pause. Yeah. So like I said, you better stop. Figure out where you want to go, how you want to do it, and where you want to really be in your life. And okay. so um, at that time, I decided to start my own production company. Oh. I said, I'm going to leave that station. I'm going to start my own thing. And as soon as I made that decision to start my own production company, 10 out of 10 is my production company. Do you know I was hired to come back to Memphis to produce films for the new Stax Museum of American Soul Music? Really? Mm -hmm. So when you tour wow. the museum here in Memphis, mm -hmm. the films that you see that talk about the artists, the writers, the singers, the performers for Stax Music, I produced those films. That is amazing. So it'll live forever. Yay! <laughs> oh my God. I need to make a note to visit that. That's, that's really Stax amazing. Museum of American Soul Music. And my mom was so, so happy when that, when that happened. And from that, I was able to work on another film where we received an Emmy for it. It's called I Am a Man, uh, Lessons in Life. And so it was about the assassination of Dr. King, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King here in Memphis and the sanitation workers and the strike. Um, okay. And that was why he was in Memphis at the time mm -hmm. and, uh, and was assassinated. So there were a number of sanitation workers that were still living and so the story centered around one of them, along with um, a couple of other men that were a part of it, but he was the protagonist in the story. And so I got to produce and work with that and then go to Chicago and I worked with, um, it was another a film that I worked on, Respect Yourself. It was about, I interviewed Reverend Jesse Jackson, Mavis Staple from the Staple Singers and just so many amazing people. So I was like, this is what I need to be doing, right? Telling these stories. Right. Yeah. Um, because my mother always said that I was a storyteller. Well, actually, I was snitch on my brothers. Let me just, <laughs> let's just back up a minute. Hold on, hold on. Cut, wait, stop. Let me tell you this. So I am an only girl, but I have three brothers. And my brothers, Bridget, they would do everything, anything, but I was always home. They would be running the streets, being bad and all of this stuff. 
And as soon as mommy would get home, um, I would end up telling everything that they were doing. <laughs> and she used to always say, you tell the story from the beginning to the end. <laughs> you don't leave anything out. And mommy would always say, you are such a storyteller. So that was ingrained in my mind mm-hmm. that I would tell stories. And, and so when I decided to go to college, you know, I said, I'm just going to major in journalism because I think, you know, I'm a writer, I'm a storyteller, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so, I, <laughs> and so since that was ingrained in my mind, I always said, I am just a storyteller. I'm going to stick with it. And I'm going <laughs> to run with it. And I did. To this day, I'm still running. I'm still running <laughs> with the fact that my mother and my brothers would, would call me a snitch. They were like, you're always telling, Carla tells everything. <laughs> and, I'm, and I would say to them, if you're not doing anything, it won't be anything for me to tell, right? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I'm not a snitch. I prefer the term storyteller. Thank you. <laughs> but my mother would say, it was the way I would tell the story. She said, you would say it like, they left at 3.15. And... <laughs> I saw him meet his friend down the street and then they went, I saw them go to that park over there, mommy. And these other guys came, you know, so. <laughs> Super detailed, which is Super necessary. Detailed. And it makes which sense. Which is necessary, right? <laughs> I wouldn't leave out anything, right? I wouldn't leave out anything. So, so, funny. so, so yeah. So I just wanted to go back to how I got that, the term, okay, storyteller was, was my mom. And then, um, right before getting into college, um, because my mother had ingrained in me that I was a storyteller, I started, um, they had a, here in, in Memphis, they have a, a, a studio for students, you know, that want to do radio and television. Oh, and cool. so I decided to go over to this other school and, and I think it was twice a week I'd go over there and I was like the on-air, you know, talent. And I would, you know, we'd talk about what's happening in the school system and and so I, I, I did that. And I, I must have been 17. I decided that I wanted a job in television. And I remember coming home one day after we had recorded the news for the Memphis City School Station. And I said to mom, I'm going to go and work at Channel 13. And she said, Channel 13? How are you going to work? You're just 17. I said, I'm going to go work there. I took the bus, the city bus from our house all the way out, we, what's called East Memphis, because I lived in South Memphis. Mm-hmm. I took a bus to the TV station. I walk in, I'm 17. I walk in and there's a woman at the front desk. And so I said to her um, that I'd like to have a job. She says, I'm sorry, who are you here to see? And I said, anyone that will hire me. And she said, young lady, uh, we don't have any jobs right now that you would probably be qualified for. And I said to her, how do you know? You don't know if I can write. I'm a storyteller. Wow, <laughs> look at you. So there was this guy walking in the lobby. He was the general manager. Uh, no, the executive producer. He was the executive producer. They had a radio station and they had a TV station. And he heard he overheard the conversation and he was so intrigued that here is this 17 year old girl standing in the lobby talking about she wants a job. And I did, I wanted a job. Right. And so he, he says to me, um, okay, kid, I, I hear what you're, 
who are you? And I told him my name. I said, my name is Carla Yarbrough. I work for the Memphis City School Station. I'm the anchor. Just t- way too much confidence. Okay. <laughs> Over the top when it comes to confidence. Confidence. And so he says, well, I tell you what, if you say that you're a storyteller, I'm going to make you write a couple of stories. He got a newspaper. It was the Commercial Appeal mm-hmm. newspaper. And he says, I'm going to have you write two stories. And I want them to be in radio format. He took me to the, they had this little cubicle set up in the lobby there. He gave Mm -hmm. me a pen and a pad and he cut out two articles. And I sat there with my little pen and pad and I wrote the stories in radio form. And um, he came back, I don't know, it was maybe 20 minutes later, 30 minutes. And he reads it and he says, you're a good writer. And here I go. I know. I know. <laughs> so that and I is, got an internship. Oh my God. I, I could, it, it I was could paid. See it. it was paid. They gave, wow. they paid me. <laughs> That's, you know, it's amazing that you had the confidence at 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Is that when it's, or what, what age did your confidence start? I think it was probably when I was about 13 though. Oh my God. Yeah. It was early. It was early on. Um, That's awesome. Because what my mom um, knew that I loved to read. And so we would go to, I mean, because we were living on a very modest, she had a very modest income. My mom would take me to the Goodwill and we would get books for five, 10 cents. You know, you can get your, your, you know, buy a book. Yeah. And my mother would buy me books. And so I would, I would read these books and then she'd take me to the, the library in Memphis and I'd check out books and, and reading um, opened up a world for me. And I said, I wanted to see that world. And it was through these stories. And I said, so the world is bigger than Memphis. It's wow. way bigger than Memphis. And through yeah. reading, um, so the, by the time I, thir- I was 13, I knew that I wanted to do, I wanted to write. I knew that I wanted to write. And by the time I was 16, I started running track. So I got involved in athletics too, Mm -hmm. team sports. And and so I was running track um, and I loved, I've always been very athletic, but I loved being competitive. Again, growing up with all boys. Yeah. It's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. You know, (laughs) Um, even when I was much younger, you know, there was all boys (laughs) click and club um around the neighborhood and i was like why is it all boys why can't a girl be a part of it they were like if you can jump off of that garage you can be in our clique yeah and i did it and that's why i have this huge scar on my arm right now but anyway i joined and uh because i wanted to see what they were doing right what do boys do that's so so different from what girls do you know Mm -hmm. so the confidence probably really i think it probably kicked in when I was about 16. Um, and so by the time I was 17, I was like off the chart, you know, yeah. that's why I said, I was like, let me go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> that is, just it's... walking up to the, the TV station, like, um, miss, who are you? I am Carla Yarbrough, you know, yeah. um, and then writing and, and, and doing that the summer before even going into college. Wow. I, mean, I hadn't even, you know, I haven't even checked into the dorms yet. And I was over there yeah. working at the TV station. So 
It's so it started am- early. It's amazing how you almost had everything figured out by like 15. Mm-hmm. That is so unheard of. Oh my God, at 15, I had no idea. I mean, in high school, I did know I, want, I like journalism. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until college that I was able to somehow find my way. I feel like it has a lot to do with also like your siblings and your mom, of course, mm-hmm. especially I feel like part of a lack of confidence comes between it interaction with some boys because you know how like growing up boys could be bullies too like kind of like yes yeah you had your brothers too at the same time and I think that's also what was really helpful it was because boys have a totally different vibe it's their outlook and their perspective um they think that they can do anything yeah and they don't mind getting in trouble um I mean they they got quite a few um beatings (laughs) <laughs> from my mother <laughs> you know being an, a, a woman raising you know boys right but uh, the seeing them and how they approach things I got to see it and right. and they didn't like the consequences of their decisions they weren't afraid of it they were like okay so I'll get grounded it. yeah yeah, they were willing to take risks. And and usually girls are taught to be a little more demure. You know, you're low, you're sometimes we are hesitant to say what we yeah. really want. Uh, we're afraid of what people might think about us mm-hmm. if we say some or if we act a certain way. Yeah. You don't want to you don't want to be seen as this or that. You just but um, you're right it had a lot to do with being around that male energy that I really wasn't afraid of anything. I just, just been fearless. And it was, I think it's because of my um, growing up with all, (laughs) with all brothers, because my mom and I made a deal when I, I told her I was going to leave Memphis because, you know, all this reading and and seeing that I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to see the world. My mom and I made a deal that, if I stayed in Memphis to go to undergrad, that she would give me a thousand dollars to go anywhere I wanted to go. You can move wherever you want to move to, as long as you give me my degree, because my mother did not earn her GED until she was 26. And so she was not even going, there was no thought that I would not finish high school and no thought that I would not finish college. Right. So she told me on the day that she dropped me off at the dorm, she said, listen, she called me sister. She said, sister, let me just tell you one thing. I don't care if you get a degree in cats and dogs. You better not come home without a degree. And I was like, okay. <laughs> then I had to add this to it. Well, if I give you the degree, can I leave Memphis? She says, sure, I'll give you a thousand dollars. As long as you give me my degree. So we cut a deal. So I've been cutting deals. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you end up going after? Um, I ended up moving to Connecticut because oh, I graduated okay. in December. Okay. And I moved in March. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was like, yeah, she gave me my money so I could leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But you got it done. Got it done. I got it done because she set, my mom set the bar for me. Right. Because I think parents play such an important role in kids need direction. 
they yeah. need i truly believe we need to kids need to know okay these there might be some barriers here but you can overcome those barriers if you do this this and this and sometimes we deviate we don't want to do what they say but i had a lot of trust in my mom too i was like i think this girl knows what she's talking about <laughs> i should listen to her i'm gonna get this degree so that's yeah. so yeah yeah I, so that's I how i ended up in connecticut <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny and you know which is really awesome when you have those parents that support system i know my parents were really helpful to me and my sister going through college and so do you have any advice for those uh women or men who don't necessarily have that support system who are kind of out on their own and kind of trying to make their way but their confidence is a little low or non-existent yeah yeah and that, and that can be true and you know what what i decided to do and it's so great that's such a great question because when i moved to connecticut i decided to start mentoring okay and i met a lot of young people kids they were you know 10 12 14 16 years old and they didn't have what i had in my mom right and i said i'm going to mentor these kids so that they'll know i'll be the one that they turn to and they'll be like okay carla what should yeah. i do you know when they wanted to come over and just hang out near the beach where i was living you know and then take them to the opera and take them to new york city and you know and take them to hear jazz and these kinds of things because not everyone has that what i had what was given to me and i think it's important to find mentors the the one there was one young lady her name is marie marie is now an educator in baltimore and she's working on her doctorate in education oh wow and marie met me i was speaking at yale university for a summer program and after i mean there were maybe 50 75 100 kids and Marie came up to me afterwards and introduced herself and she says I want to I want to come down to the TV station and see what it's all about because you know we we would have young people come down all the time and tour the station and Marie must have been 14 maybe 15 at the time she showed up at the TV station um I got a call that there was this young lady named Marie Beasley down in the in the uh, in the lobby and so i i saw in her what was in me at the time you know what i mean i was like she just showed up this is interesting hmm and so marie and i have become i mean the best of friends sisters um support system when she went to graduate school out in arizona I, you know i was out there when she went to san francisco state she you know ended up coming going out west and i was living there at the time and just being a consistent part of her life so even if you don't have i say everyone has the initiative sometimes it just has to be brought to the top you know most people have it and so if you find people that you can talk to and get to know just reach out and let people know hey I'd like to do this whatever it is you may want to be a an architect you know find someone that's doing it people really will open up to young people especially now when it come when you become an adult we be like mm hold up wait a minute but i think for kids you know just find someone that you want to connect with and so marie is one of those young people that just 
just did it. And that's exactly what I did. Not everyone has, as you say, um, that support system at home. So I think finding people that you can, uh, that you see, maybe they go to your church, maybe they're in your community somehow, and maybe they could be a teacher. I don't know. You connect with them. Um, just reach out. Even people that you might not even know, you might find a mentor on, uh, on social media. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true with social media. And it's funny cause that's, I met my mentor in high school. We're mm-hmm. going on like 11, 12 years of her being my mentor and I introduced her to my sister and I met her husband. Great, great, great people. And I remember being a junior and it was career day, you know, when, when they had that back in high school. And I remember, cause at the time I wanted to be a TV reporter in high school. I changed my mind in college and there was a TV reporter and she was like, go talk to her. I'm like, I'm just like go talk to, you know? And she was like, you'll do, you know, there was a little bit of like a little push and that kind of stuck with me. And at the end of the day, she gave me her email and there was days where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And we'd meet up for lunch and it just turned into something really great, almost family-like. And I look back and I'm like, I am so grateful for myself at that moment that I was able to keep in contact with her. Like, what if I had thrown away her email? Like, I learned a lot from her as well, too. And I really think, especially, I think that first step to kind of putting yourself out there, getting that confidence is also you like you mentioned like everybody has that initiative it's just a matter of convincing yourself that you're going to be okay no matter what if now you're just going to be stuck right because i see the least they can say is like no or they don't Mm want to be bothered or something people are busy but um i really commend you in that moment because the one thing that we have to remember we have to overcome our own fear sometimes um fear can stop us from doing the one thing that could actually pivot our entire lives. Yeah. And if in that moment, I always say, if, if fear starts to take over, you know, it's something you really want to do, but you're so scared. Always say, take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath and go for it. What do you have to lose? Yeah. All they can do is just say no. And then you just go on to the next person. It's like, okay, so that Bye. wasn't it. That wasn't <laughs> yeah. it. And it can turn into a magical relationship, you know, that can yeah. be with you for a lifetime. And that's something that I did also learn from you too, being at Cal State Long Beach. Because I remember I go to my office, your office hours and be like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> <laughs> I want, because I, I love listening and I was just sit and listen. You yeah. Know? I was like, okay, so what? let's think about it. Let's, kind of throw some stuff out there. I don't know know what life has in store for you, but sometimes it's just really a matter of just sitting there and being heard. Yeah, That's all. Because one of my friends, uh, older friends, she always says, everyone everyone wears an invisible sign above their heads. And Mm -hmm. the sign says, love me. Mm -hmm. Everyone wears it. Mm -hmm. Love me. I think some people turn it into accept me, but at the end of the day, it's really about loving me. But the other part of it is loving yourself enough. Yeah. You step out of your comfort zone sometimes and um, just go for it. What do you have? What do you have to lose? At least you can go to bed at night and say, you know, I tried. 
didn't work out, but tomorrow I'm going to try again. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's, it's things that you can't even control. So why even mm-hmm. lose sleep over it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see, uh, I love it. <laughs> so true so true yeah. it is and it's it's a lot of taking care of yourself as well and so i'm i'm a big believer in self-care i you know i'm sure mm-hmm. you've seen and mm-hmm. i think it's very important um do you practice any self-care oh yes oh yes i get a lot of sleep my oh, self-care good. is i rest yeah um, i learned the hard way that um if we don't give the body time to rest and turn turn off for a mm-hmm. while um even when i was teaching at cal state long beach in the afternoons when i had a break between my classes i would mm-hmm. take power naps oh good mm-hmm. i would take power naps um and that power nap could have been 20 minutes um but but when i would get home instead of going sh- straight to my computer and working i would have a good you know good meal go for a walk and then I come home and I rest. So my self-care is really resting. I've learned that that is so important and I practice it, but also love getting out in nature. I mean, I just love the like early morning walks, you know, late evening yeah. walks. I walk by myself. I don't need a partner to do nothing like that. I just go. <laughs> I do it all on my own. <laughs> I do it on my own. I just want to go because it's really just me and nature and the universe really connecting. Yeah. Um, So that's my self care that I do is rest and walk. I love it. I love it. It's, it's a form of recharging. Like, yeah, we all use sleep, but it's, it's a matter of listening to your body. I'm always saying that to like friends or even I agree. It's like, you need to listen to it. It's telling you what it can't take anymore. That's right. What it can't take. (laughs) 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 And what it needs is this, that, or that. Exactly. Because think about when you get thirsty, your body will tell you you need water. Right, exactly. And we're we're connected with that, but some of the other things that you know we tend to forget. But as as especially as as I'm getting older, I'm realizing how much I really do need to rest and rejuvenate and turn off the cell phone um, because I actually put my phone on on silent so Mm -hmm. that I can't get any notifications um, quite often. Um, because I just know it's time for me to just sit and meditate. And I meditate a lot as well. Oh, nice. Um, so I do, I do spend time sitting and playing music where I'm not thinking about anything, just clearing my mind. Oh, good. Clearing my mind of the day or whatever the things that are on my plate that I just don't want to, I, I need to take a break from it. So that's something. Yeah, because clearing your mind is not easy. It sounds easy, but it's really not. It really isn't. Yeah. It's a learn, and I've had to learn how to do that. Um, yeah over over time so you know we we've been talking and talking but (laughs) i saw something today and it made me think of you i am not kidding you i thought of you when i saw this and also thought of my my little sister Kristen, um who lives in la as well and so the quote that i found today it said that life is so much simpler when you stop explaining yourself to people and just do what works for you yeah i love that quote and it's so true Mm -hmm. i live by it (laughs) Mm -hmm. just do what works for you honestly yeah yeah, that's what it comes down to and realizing that especially you know trying to work my way in the entertainment industry trying to differentiate that's trying to separate that it's not 
easy. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I let go and I let God. Things will flow. I need, you know, I do what I enjoy, um, what I love, and with the people I love. I mean, what else matters? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What and, else matters, really? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. It's so true. Take time to enjoy life. And um, I always say, as, you know, as women, you know, where there's sometimes expectations that we're going to carry these huge weights on our shoulders. We can multitask and do this and we can do that and all of these things that we're, that we're required to do. But I'll, I often say what I am required to do is to take care of myself. Yeah. So I can't help anyone else if I'm not well and yeah. healed and happy. I love it. I love love all this positive talk. I live for this. And those were most of the questions that I've had for today. But are there any last words that you'd like to say to the listeners? Yes, I'd like to say to the listeners that Fergie is like the best person (laughs) in the whole world. I love her. I'm proud of her. I'm thankful that the universe connected us when it did. And I'm thankful that we were both in that moment together. To yeah. know that we would have a lifelong connection. Like we needed this. I needed you. You needed me. And here we are. Aww. And I'm so thankful for you and so very proud of you and everything that you're doing in your life, not just in your career, but in how you live your life and the joy that you bring to this world through your podcast, through your work, <laughs> through your family. Um, I, you talk about women empowerment. Um, you're it. Oh, you're going to make me cry here, Carla. And it, it has just been an honor talking to you to be able to chat with you after all these years and just, you know, like you said, bump into each other at a coffee shop virtually Mm -hmm. as if no time has gone by. Like I am grateful for you, for professors like you, who at the time being a sophomore, like I was still finding my way in life and I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. And like, it was like the perfect timing being able to meet you. And I still consider you one of my mentors and like really, really great mm. support friend. I am so I am here for, for you. whatever you need, <laughs> whenever you need it. Just like we were sitting in that, when you would come to the office hour, I'd be like, mm-hmm, go ahead. Cause as soon as you finish, as soon as you get through talking, I'm listening. I'm going to go home and take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I know sometimes we just need to talk yeah. why not right yeah and then no. go on about your business and figure things out but just know that you're okay sometimes we just want to know that we're okay yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I love that and okay I thank you for oh, sure and pleasure. thank you for your time being here on the show I love talking to you of course we'll be in touch my <laughs> pleasure have a wonderful evening a wonderful week Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Happy everything. I love Happy it. Happy everything. Find joy, live in joy. Live in I in joy. And with that concludes another episode of Love, Wine, and a Good Time. I don't know about you, but I am super inspired. I feel like I could take over the world right now. I just absolutely love Carla Yarbrough. She was an amazing professor. She's an amazing person. And I hope you guys 
felt inspired as well and enjoyed our conversation. Um, and with that being said, don't forget to leave an awesome review on Apple Podcasts for your girl, telling me how much you love our insightful conversations. And I thank you for listening always. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week.